Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading the second episode of the Thundercast this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Well, as long as Twitter is still around, according to what may or may not be happening with that platform. But for the time being, you can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Also, we are on Facebook. And now more so than ever, please head over to the Thundercast YouTube uh, page. Give that a like so that you don't miss any of that content. And just for, you know, uh, normal gigs. Uh, also head on over to the Thundercast YouTube channel. Give us a subscription there. We're also on TikTok and Instagram. We don't really have much content there yet, but as Twitter Twitter may or may not be devolving from existence, uh, we got to go somewhere. So uh, we sure would appreciate all of our followers migrating over to those other platforms to keep abreast of all the awesomeness that we try to bring each and every week. So earlier in the week, we did... The five things every herd fan needs to know, and we recapped an unbelievably awesome seventy-five week weekend uh, that uh, saw me make the trip up to Huntington, Huntington, and have a lot of fun with some old friends and new. But we've got another game on the schedule, so we're going to get to that. We're going to take it around the herd, especially since some cool stuff has happened in the postseason uh that allowed us to include it in that segment so we're going to get into all that but for right now let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com if you've been hurt in a wreck visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on facebook you can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone you set yourself up to be a victim again Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, it is a exciting time around herd athletics. We're into SBC tournaments. Some cases we're into NCAA tournaments, and we're going to talk about all that. But first, we've got a big game on the gridiron this weekend. Marshall's traveling down to Georgia to play a old Southern Conference rival, Georgia Southern, who currently sits at 5-5 five and five on the season, 2-4 and four in conference. And this is a big one, right? So uh, I've got some of the generalistics that we uh, normally talk about. But look, since you, since we normally do all this in one episode and, you know, you've, we've had conversation during that, um, this is kind of a, a a weird scenario, and I don't want to just rip off, you know, 10 minutes worth of stats and 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 all that kind of stuff without talking to you for a second. So a little bit of a shakeup to the format this weekend. Um, just initial thoughts before we get into anything about the Georgia Southern game. Uh, you know, what what's kind of on the line for you? Uh, if you want to get into a little bit of what the week was like, some things we saw, any things, that, well, heck, there was some news that actually broke today that we can talk about to give like a bonus thing for uh, news late breaking in the week. So um, what about the last couple of days here from a herd standpoint? Well, um, some things that broke today, we had uh, Grant Trailer 
uh, announced to be the new director of communications. Uh, something like that is his title. Uh, kind of taken over for Chuck McGill. I know there's been a little bit of uh, restructuring and everything, so it won't be exactly what Chuck was doing. Uh, there will be some different things that Grant will be doing. Uh, Grant is no stranger to herd fans. He's been covering Marshall for quite a while. Uh, been at the Herald Dispatch and other uh, light companies for the last fifteen years. Uh, was that what you were talking about? With yeah, that was the okay. major one. Uh, as you're talking there, I'm just looking up the article, and uh, Grant's been officially titled the Associate Athletic Director of Communications. And yeah, if you've been following herd athletics for any amount of time, you know who Grant is. You know Grant does a great job, and of course, we are looking forward to building a do a new and different type of relationship with with Grant as he moves into an official capacity within the Marshall Athletic Department, and we continue to do what we like to do. So congratulations to Grant. This is a excellent opportunity. I'm sure he's pumped for it. And hey, man, uh, I'm ready for the Grant Trailer era of communications. I guess. Yeah. Um, about this game, you know, I've, it's kind of been a roller coaster season for us after, uh, the FCS start, uh, just blew that team out of the water and then went up to Notre Dame and, and won, uh, convincingly better team. And, uh, the outlook of the season looked different and then lost to Bowling Green, lost to Troy, started having offensive woes. Uh, and then it was like every other week you would either pick up a win or get a loss. And we were at four and four. Um, things looked a lot different. Now we're six and four. And I think it's highly more likely that we finish eight and four than we would six and six. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what it is, almost 100% we're going bowling. You know, I, I have to feel like, too, just for the cherry on the top, we'll pick up, pick up at least one more victory. But I have us winning both right now, as it is. So that's that's kind of the outlook going into this, is we need to finish the season. We need to finish on what we've done the last few weeks, especially last week, having a complete game for the first time in a while. But uh, that's where I'm at right now, going into this, from the 10,000-feet view. Yeah, the bird's eye view. Look, if a couple of weeks ago... Personally, I felt like Marshall was kind of licking their wounds a little bit, and it was hard for me to envision where the rest of these needed wins were going to come from, and I've said so in an episode. And thankfully, uh, the herd started figuring some things out. As, as Cam uh, Fancher came into the starting role, and we we took a few early bumps, but he was still kind of figuring it out. And you said in the recap that, hey, he's 3-1 and one as a starter. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. So even though these these developmental bumps are still popping up and they will continue to pop up for a while, we're three and one in that stretch. And that's really all that matters. It doesn't matter how you get the win. It matters that you get the win. And in uh, that one loss, he threw for 320 yards. So yeah. it was, wasn't like he threw five picks and he was the reason we lost. Yeah, we can't pin that one on him. I mean, we spotted Coastal Carolina 21 points and just weren't able to play our type of ball game. You know, we we had to try to figure it out on the fly, and we just couldn't figure it out enough to come back fully and, and try to get that game. But, you know, if not for that first quarter, I feel great that Cam would uh, be 4-0 as a starter, and we would already have cemented bowl eligibility with having seven wins at this point. So 
this one all but guarantee. I mean, it does guarantee. We're already all but guaranteed a a bowl game with six wins, but with seven, it's a guarantee. You're going to go bowling, and if you pick up that eighth win, you know the echelon of bowl. While a lot of them get lumped together in that early mid or early bowl season, like mid December, right around Christmas time, there's a lot of bowl games get played. A lot of Sun Belt Conference game or a lot of Sun Belt bowl games are getting played. Conference USA bowl games, MAC games, that type of thing. So there's not really a tier of bowl game that you're going to move up to really in a big way by going from six to eight wins but it sure as hell looks a hell of a lot better on a record uh being eight and four than than six and six especially at some of the some of the beatings i don't want to say beating some of the losses that we took and how we took those losses early in the season this is we're in a pretty good position now we've discussed this several times weeks in a row even but for anyone that is tuning into this for the first time before they've heard the explanation we generally have to win. Any FBS team has to win six games to be bowl eligible. One of those can be to an FCS opponent. We have six wins right now. Two of those are against an FCS opponent. Us and App State had each other scheduled for an out-of-conference game. With the sudden move to the Sun Belt, that left both of us in a situation. At I mean, most schedules are made years. three years, yeah, three to four years in advance that left both of us in a unique situation where we had to basically pick up nothing but FCS opponents mm-hmm. to replace. Uh, so we were both in the same situation. Both of us filed the waiver. Uh, it, I, I don't know that there's anything that I could point to a source that says, yes, this 100% has been granted. But from everything that I have heard from insiders and outsiders, it has been granted Uh ESPN has all but said, yes, we'll be anyone that has six victories, no matter who they are against, anyone that has six victories will be playing in bolts this year. So uh, it is almost guaranteed that we'll go uh, putting two more wins on would be very ideal for better bowl selection, considering there is no chance we'll be playing in the conference championship game to get a ninth win or to further pad that resume with a uh, conference championship. So uh, we do still want to win both of these games. No one wants to limp into a bowl game anyway. So yeah, let's get it done when these last two go eight and four, leave no doubt. Yeah. Leave no doubt was a potential of nine win season. And if you would have asked me a month ago, if that looked like a, even a slight possibility, I would have been like, no, but here we are, and the herd has turned a little bit of a corner. Something we didn't touch on in the uh, App State recap is, if you'll remember in the preview, I said that I felt like that game against App State was a measuring stick game for Marshall. And they played one of their most complete team games in that game and proved that they were the better team against a Sunbelt uh, top-tier team no matter how they're doing this year for the past, however many years they've been a perennial nine, 10, 11 win team. They're a good team. And to go in uh, host app state in a, in a renewed rivalry and get that win. It proves, I think Marshall has turned a, a little bit of a corner and we can start to maybe go upward a little bit quicker than we had all fought initially, but look, you can't get to eight wins or nine wins until you get to seven. And that's where we are currently. Georgia Southern's on the slate. We're heading down to Paulson. We're going to make what I'm calling the Peachtree Road Swing or the Peach State Road Swing. We're going to have Georgia State at home. 
So we're going to have to fight through the state of Georgia to close out the season. But uh, this is another one of those old Southern Conference rival-type teams, seventh all-time meeting between the Herd and Georgia Southern. This will be the first one since 1996, that historic 15-0 season for the Herd that saw them win the 1AA national title. Herd is currently 4-2 all-time against Georgia Southern. And we mentioned it just now, a win in this one guarantees a bowl game for the herd. It's all but guaranteed now. Now, look, if you look at this from a wins and losses standpoint, they're five and five. We're, we're one better in that win column, but there's still several similarities between these two teams. Both of us have, have wins over James Madison and Old Dominion. Both of us have losses to Coastal Carolina and Louisiana. Um, after Georgia Southern plays the herd, they're going to have to close out with App State. So another measuring stick type game for them. What do we know basically about Georgia Southern? Well, they move the ball pretty well through the air to the tune of the fifth best passing offense in the country in terms of yards, passing yards per game. Of course, that means them number one in the Sun Belt Conference, 334 yards per game on average for Georgia Southern. The herd, though, 28th best pass defense in the nation at 194 yards per game. So it's kind of strength on strength here. Um. From a from a bird's eye view, just of this game now, um, what do you see? I know we'll do matchups. We'll talk about some games within the game here in a little bit. But Herd's going on the road with an opportunity to win three in a row for the first time. Well, for the second time this season. But this time we got some real momentum, right? Some real, real momentum. Momentum is definitely in our court. Uh, and it's not for Georgia Southern. You know, they have uh, lost the last two, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. Um, they, uh, they're they trending in the wrong direction. And in some of the stats, they're trending in the wrong direction. I'm going to get to that a little bit later on. Uh, we have the momentum, too, in having a redshirt freshman who now has four games under his belt playing full starting quarterback, playing the whole game. And we have seen growth. We've seen the passing game growth. So some of the things that we're going to be talking about later that will look like, you know, it's a matchup deficiency for us. When you look at the last four games, it's totally different season the way we've been passing the ball with one anomaly thrown in there. But um, even at that, with the yards not being in that one game, we're throwing over the middle. Mm -hmm. We're throwing over the top. We uh, are not giving up as many sacks because we have someone that is not only moving out of the pocket, but he's not just turning to run. A lot of times he's escaping those sacks, giving himself time. He's still looking up down the field, either throwing it away or throwing it for a long gain or throwing an incompletion. No matter what, he's not uh, taking a sack immediately. Mm -hmm. So things have changed quite a bit. We still have a defense that I feel like is getting better every week. And uh, they are struggling now, it looks like. They're giving up a lot of points, Georgia Southern is. Um, This could be from, again, that upper view. Uh, We have the momentum coming in, and we're favored in this game. So. Uh, on the road, I think uh, I think we come out with a victory, and we'll get in a little bit deeper on why I think that in a minute. Yeah, it's if you're a herd fan, you're gonna really like how this one matches up 
for our offense versus their defense. And I've got some stuff. I'm sure we have some of the same similar stats and some of those even they're not really advanced stats, but things you've got to talk about, which will, which I'm sure, even though we, we have, we don't talk about what we're going to say beforehand, by the way, guys, this is all just organic conversation. So uh, a lot of times we will have some of the similar stats, but I think that's, what's really great about our show. Well, and the reason we're going to have similar stats is because stats don't lie. We yeah. don't make, we don't make these up. We're going in and seeing where we rank high, where we rank low, where they rank high, where they rank low. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not that tough, you know, uh, looking at the matchups and seeing what should occur. It's not like we've got a crystal ball. And as we saw during the Louisiana game, you know, some of the things that we keyed up on, it did not go the way that it had all year long. Things don't always pan out that way. And that's why we play the game. Yeah. But, Trend, trends are just trends until they're not trends anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, otherwise it would just be the way once you did it once well that's what you would do every time unfortunately well fortunately and unfortunately it's not always that way <laughs> uh, but look we, we, one thing we do know is that this georgia southern offense is really really good through the air and it starts of course with the quarterback uh, transfer quarterback come down from Buffalo already one and zero against the herd in his career. He beat us in a bowl game a couple of years ago. Number six, Kyle Van Tree, six foot two, 225 pounds, senior two eighty six out of four sixty eight on the season, 3,307 yards on the year. I like this though. 21 touchdowns versus 13 interceptions. We've faced several quarterbacks here lately that have a really killer touchdown to interception ratio. And this one's a little more like the way I, I like to look at it because it, it's, this tells me that Van Treese will throw them up for grabs and our defense, as we know, will come down with those from time to time. Here's the might be the best stat in his favor. Only sacked four times on the season. On the season. So they, they, they protect the quarterback pretty well down there. A couple of running backs we've got to talk about. Uh, number 25 running back Jalen White, six foot, 215 pound junior, leads the team in carries and yards and touchdowns. So he's the one you really want to pay the most attention to. 149 carries for 771 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground. That's a pretty good season. Uh, just about as good, the carries, the yards per carry is right there. Uh, number four running back Gerald Green, five foot nine, 195 pound junior, just 86 carries on the season for 475 yards and six touchdowns on the ground for him. Both those guys over five yards per carry on the season. A couple of wide receivers we're going to put a big spotlight on. Number seven, wide receiver Caleb Hood, the five foot 10, 180 pound senior, leads the team in catches and yards. 66 catches for 753 yards on the season. Just two touchdowns through the air, though. Uh, number two, wide receiver Derwin Burgess, the five foot 11, 185 pound sophomore, 58 catches. 717 yards nipping at the heels in both of those categories, but he leads the team in pass or in receiving touchdowns with seven. A couple of more wide receivers we're going to talk about and lump them together, right? Jeremy Singleton and Amari Jones together. Those two guys combined for another 83 receptions, another 991 receiving yards, and an additional eight touchdowns on the ground. Now, this offense. I switched it up a little bit. I've been doing those last two games, last three game averages. So I did the last two, but I put these numbers after the offense and then after the defense. So you mentioned it before. In their last two, they're 0-2, uh, scoring just 24 points per game. And I know that's pretty good, but it's down from where they were. 
398 yards gained, 318 of those pass yards, 80 average on the ground per game rush yards, just 23% on third down in those last two, six of 26, and averaging one turnover per game. Defensively, Georgia Southern, led by linebacker number 33, uh, Marcus Marcus Watson Trent, the five foot eleven, two hundred twenty five, two hundred twenty pound sophomore, eighty four total tackles, thirty five those solo, half a sack, a pass defended, and a forced fumble. Then we're going to spotlight a couple of DBs. Number twelve uh, defensive back Anthony Wilson, five foot ten, two hundred twenty pound junior, seventy three tackles, forty two of those solo, one and a half sacks, four passes defended, one interception, and a forced fumble. Then number five defensive back, Wylan Free, the six foot two, 180 pound senior, 68 tackles, 40 of those solo, and on down the stat line, just one fumble recovery. Impact plays for this Georgia Southern defense 16 total team sacks, 11 total team interceptions, five forced fumbles, and four fumble recoveries. Over their last two, you thought 22 points per game or 24 points per game scored was pretty good. Well, over their last two, they're allowing 37 points per game to their opposition. Um, 474 and a half yards per game allowed. 193 of those through the air. Get this, Russ. Heard fans, perk up. 281 yards allowed per game in their last two games. Uh, given opposition 38% uh, third down conversion with 11 out of 29. Now, look, that Louisiana game is a little bit of an outlier for both. Neither one of those teams were good on third down in that game. So that throws the numbers off a little bit. Just saying. Not trying to throw some shade on their offense or their defense. Neither team did anything on third down in that game. So, Russ, um, that's a lot of stats. There's a lot of matchups we're going to talk about. So if you want to – I'm going to leave this to you now. Do you want to go into keys and mix that in, or do you want to talk matchups? Well, I, I want to go to keys, but I want to – highlight a couple of things for what you said there okay and i'm not disputing what you said because he does have 13 interceptions but a whopping seven of them came in two games uh that will be something we'll talk about here in a little bit okay he still threw them but it's not like he you know throws an average of two a game or something like that um but when he throws them he can throw them in bunches so bunches that's something to look out for uh, also, Jalen White does have 771 yards on the season. He is rushing for 5.2, but he's only had three games above 100. Sometimes their running game just disappears, and we talked about that the last two games. You mm-hmm. mentioned you know, they're averaging 80. So um, the other thing that I want to highlight, you know, 61.1% completion percentage is not bad, but it's not elite. And the 13 interceptions is not elite. So Vantries throws for a lot of yardage, but he throws a lot of passes. This yeah. Is a, a pass heavy, you know, it's it's one of those things we talked about with App State getting 116 yards against us, but they I, ran I would, it 40 times to get there. Right. I would say this is whatever... Whatever the top threshold is before you're called an air raid offense, <laughs> because they must be like right there because it's not a true air raid. They just throw the ball a hell of a lot. Yeah. And um, we're going to get into some more matchups, but let's do the let's do the keys first. Okay. Because during my keys, I have some matchups. So do I. And I think yeah. we're probably going to talk some of the same here. 
And then uh, after the keys, before we get into the score prediction player of the game, I've got some other little key matchups to watch that aren't keys to the victory. Cool. So so what's the first one for you then? First of three. Do you have three? I, I have a fourth, but it's it's something we can both bounce off of. Okay. Number one, run wild. <laughs> Georgia Southern is 129th out of 131 against the run, giving up a staggering 224.9 yards per game. Opponents have gotten a ridiculous 5.66 yards per carry against them fans have we been able to run the ball a little bit this year yes we have now laboring is banged up you know right shoulder especially this last game uh he came out several different times uh he did not run a full game he seemed to be not hitting the hole as hard as uh in previous games uh, i feel like he was just one we didn't need to but two he was he was a little banged up but uh, I could see him busting some long runs against what looks to be a porous run defense. And I also look for Fancher to be able to pick up some chunk yards uh, with his wheels. So uh, one thing I would look for, though, especially with the unknown of uh, Laburn, if he's a 100%, but still an 80% Laburn is better than most of the people in the Sun Belt. Uh, I look for Payne and Turner to... Uh, to get quite a few carries and uh we may have uh a lot of uh run by committee with Fancher and two to three different running backs getting a lot of carries during this game. I don't think it's any surprise that my number one key to victory is all in on the run, guys. We're all in on the run. This is not a game where I would slightly be angry if we don't see some, you know, big pass numbers. We yeah. might see them anyway because they know the herd can run and they know that we're deep at the running back position. They know that we have a quarterback that can take off and be gone in an instant. So you may see some of those plays that we've been clamoring for to work, maybe finally work because they're ganging up to try to slow our run game. But look, let me drive some of these cool stats home for you. Um, Georgia Southern this season, just this season, has allowed a 100-yard rusher in seven of their 10 games and the surprisingly Louisiana and, and um, coastal did not have a hundred yard rusher. They've allowed a 200 yard rusher. I'm sorry, two 100 yard rushers once this season. And they've allowed a 200 yard rusher in a game twice this season, including just two weeks ago, they allowed 247 rushing yards to LaDamian Webb of South Alabama back on November 19th. Now, if this is the game, this herd run, this is the game that this herd rush attack could really shine. I mean, really shine. We thought we saw some things against uh, Norfolk State in the opener, but the numbers don't lie. 129th or whatever you said in, in, the, in the country in rushing 129 defense. of 131. At this point, 10 games in the season, you've earned that ranking. This is yeah. not a an outlier to where you played a triple option team in week one and they just lit you up. No. Yeah. 10 games in, you've earned that defensive ranking. So this could be another – this could be the second time this season that we see a two, uh, two guys go for 100 yards in a game. I mean, hell, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see three guys go over 100 yards. In a game. I'm not calling for that, but – 
this is the type of matchup to where that could occur. We've got two right now, right? Uh, Norfolk State and then uh, – Oh, yeah, uh, I guess old, Cam old, and, old, and – yeah. Old Dominion. I mean, he wasn't a running back, but we did have 100, 139 and 136 against Old Dominion. Yeah. A uh, rusher's a rusher. I don't care if it's a running back or a quarterback. Hell, it can be a wide receiver. I don't care That's if it right. is. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, any, the, the, the big thing to take home is – this herd rushing attack could have a massively huge day. Now, one other thing I'm going to talk about, and then we can move on to the next key to victory. You know how Laburn has been ranked up there in the top five, six in the country in rushing? Well, UAB running back Dwayne McBride is number two in the country right now. And he also played Georgia Southern earlier in the season, and he went for 220-ish yards. So a game like that with from Laburn, just saying, pushes him right back up into that upper echelon of uh, top two, three rushers in the country. So go all in on the run and just see where you are. Number, What do you got for number two? Win third down. Here's why. Marshall is uh, first overall, as we've famously been talking about for weeks now. Yep. Uh, 21.6% is all they're giving up on third down conversions. Georgia Southern, however, is 12th at converting. 49.4% of the time, nearly half of the time on third down, they're extending these drives. So if we can prevent them from extending these drives, obviously that gives us better field position and makes it harder for them to score points. And I'll get to that a little bit later uh, after the keys to victory, just a couple of follow-ups. So what? how do we win third down? One is during first and second down, don't allow them to get a first and make them have a third and long it forces them to throw and then they have to pick up those chunk plays so uh we need to get uh get in on these early downs and force the third downs to make it to where they're not third and one third and two that sort of thing yeah uh i was i looked at that and i saw that overall ranking and it was great and then i want to bring back one of the stats that i said earlier from this offense in their last two that third down conversion rate has really struggled. So that's one of the areas that they're trending downward in a bad, in a bad way, like a nosedive. You know, you're going from 50% of the time to currently they're six of 26 in their last two games. Uh, 23%, that does not bode well for a Marshall, you know, playing against a Marshall defense that has been good. Again, 10 games through the season, you've earned that ranking. You're, this is not an outlier early in the season. Uh, this is a good on bad situation currently. Now, 50%, yeah, if they get back to that, this is will be a great uh, a great key for them. But currently, this, that's one that plays in the herd's hand. My number two key to victory is Marshall just needs to play sound pass defense against this team. Uh, and we need to couple that playing assignment football and sound pass defense by tackling, not just hitting. We've seen several times throughout the season where we'll go in for a big hit and a guy just bounces off and gets an extra seven, eight, nine, maybe more yards after the catch. So sound, fundamentally sound pass defense is what you're going to have to uh, execute against a team that averages passing the ball 46, 47 times per game. You know, you can't allow them to rack those yaks. It's got to be get what you can get and you're going down or – such smothering coverages like you're saying you're playing behind the sticks once third down rolls around. What do you got for number three? Get to Van Treese. You have to. You mentioned uh, he's only been sacked four times. Overall, they've only given up five sacks. Yeah. And um, that's five sacks, 10 games in on the year. 
that's good for second in the country. Oregon has two, I think, which blew me away wow. as well. Yeah. Um, they have six games of giving up no sacks during their uh, six-game uh, performance of that, four and two. Three games of giving up one sack, and they're one and two if they give up one sack. And the last game, they gave up two against Louisiana, and obviously they lost that game. So I'm not saying causation is correlation and correlation is causation and that sort of thing, but we're going to have to get to yeah, Van Treese. I mean, the guy is uh, putting up 3,300 uh, yards so far on the season, uh, has only been sacked four times. We've got to get back there and get him. Uh, but again, with trends, three of those five sacks have come in the last two games. So let's double that. Let's, uh, let's throw up another two. Let's throw up a three, you know, let's do what we can to give our boys, uh, that much better field position and make them have to throw for those, uh, third downs and everything because we're getting a sack or get them on third down, come up with a sack. So that's my other key to victory. We have got to have Owen Porter and crew get back there to Kyle Vantries. See, maybe we're, you know, it's it's late in the season. Guys get dinged up. Maybe we're seeing a point right now where Georgia Southern's a little dinged up on the offensive line. I don't know that they are. I don't follow their team that closely. But to, you know, have such a stellar sack total, sacks allowed total, and then have that trend, almost 50% of those have come in the last two games. Maybe something's not right, you know? It's, it's been more than 50%. Oh, okay. Three out of their three. five. Okay. Three, three out of five. five have been – yeah, so uh, – and two were in the last game. That's what yeah. it was, two in the last I, – I just yeah. heard two. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so also, you know, how many of these um, pass-rushing defenses that get to the quarterback that create the, the type of havoc that Marshall creates has this team faced? Probably very few. We've got a lot of guys that can get to the quarterback from several positions, many positions. And uh, Van Treese's numbers let you know that when he does throw the ball up, it comes in spurts, and we're just that type of defense that will come down with him. We saw it last week against Chase Bryce. He had a phenomenal touchdown-to-interception ratio, and we went up and stole one in the end zone. So those are the type of plays that are difference makers. Here's the little bit that I've seen from them is uh, they get rid of the ball quick, and that's going to help an offensive line quite a bit when you're getting rid of it uh, before anyone has a chance to get back there. So, um, again, we'll have to disrupt that. Uh, I have full confidence and faith in Lance Guidry and his crew that we will do that. Yeah, it it is um, quite apparent that if Vantries is given time, he will stand back there and pick you apart. Yeah, I mean, the, the receiver numbers that we just talked about echo that for guys that do a lot of damage. So you've got to get to him. you got to get him off his spot, get him moving, get him making some bad decisions, rushed, just rushed decisions, whatever you got to do. Uh, number four, this is one, like I said, that we can both bounce off of. Uh, you still just, got three. You still got your number three. Oh, yeah, number three. Uh, Marshall needs another fast start, just like mm-hmm. we saw against Appalachian State. I don't think you want to try to play behind, from behind against a team like Georgia Southern that can pass the ball so effectively. If you let them go out to a 10-point lead, 14-point lead, and they can just sit back and do what they want to do, 
I'm not sure we want to get in that game. The most I've watched of Georgia Southern this year was in that shootout against James Madison. And, boy, they can sling it. And we know that James Madison's defense was pretty good. And um, I'm not sure that we want to get in that type of game. I don't think we're built to be in that type of game. We want to do what we do, which is run the football and pass when we kind of have to or want to. But we're built to run. We know that by now. So we need that fast start. We need that opening drive touchdown. We need opening. I'll take an opening drive field goal, you know, something just to get points on the board first and play from ahead. Now, uh, my number four key to victory, this is what we can both kind of talk about, and you can interpret it the way you want. I wrote down one word, and that word is grind. I think Marshall needs to grind this one away. And if that's on the ground, shortening the game, keeping Vantry standing on the sidelines, he can't pass on you if he's watching you run up and down the field. Grind in the pass rush game. Grind in the tackling game. Whatever you got to do, just grind until this one's over and you look up at the scoreboard. So how do you interpret that? How do you think that – what do you get when I say grind? Well, I, I also look at do what we have to do. Uh, you know, we might not be playing perfect football, uh, but we have to grind it out. Uh, we may be in a situation where it's just not there throwing it, but we still have to be able to throw the ball. You mm -hmm. grind and do what you do. You pick up yards as you can. Uh, we may have labor and having to grind it out because he has a, a dinged up shoulder. You know, he's uh, got a lot of carries and mileage on him this year. I think that he's perfectly capable of doing it, but, you know, uh, a dinged up shoulder is a dinged up shoulder. So maybe he has to grind it out. Uh, maybe we have to get our yards where we can, and that's from Cam turning something bad into something positive with his wheels. Whatever it is, we 100%, yes, we'll have to grind this out. And I think that'll come into play when I go to my score prediction a little bit later. Yep, I, I see this one as as just an old school hard nosed game, right? They 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 might finesse you a little bit because the passing game is always a sexier thing than a run game, but this is what Marshall's built to do. They're a bad rush defense team. There's no denying it, and we are a good rushing team. There's no denying it. So you got to do what you got to do. Uh, this could be a game where Marshall's plus ten in the time of possession at the end of the game. You never know. We're just built different right now. And one last aside. Uh, the Broyles Award came, uh, nominations, or not nominations, a watch list or what semifinal, whatever you want to call it, came out, and Lance Gidry was not included on that list. And it's yeah. egregious because yeah. this defense has proven to be one of the finest in the country, not just the Sun Belt. But conversely, Georgia Southern offensive coordinator Brian Ellis, who some folks may remember used to be at Western Kentucky, um, is on that list. So you don't think there's a little bit of – Probably not public motivation, but I know he wants to go in there and just have his defense wreck this pass offense of Georgia Southern. Uh, let's take it to some matchups and your Thundercast player of the week. All right, so I'm going to rattle off a couple then. If you have some, I'll let you do it. Uh, nope, I'll, I'll play off what you got. All right, so something to watch for. Marshall is eighth in not allowing first downs. Georgia Southern is ninth in getting first downs. I think a lot of that comes from, you know, 49.4% on converting third downs. That's going to help you pick up a lot of first downs that other teams aren't. So that's obviously going to put you up there, but that's something to watch. That's one of your uh, keys or 
what do you call it? Not triggers. The game within the game? No, when you talk about uh, time of possession and first downs and that sort of thing, it's every recap you talk about. Oh, you're, the in, indicators? In, in, indicators, indicators. I just couldn't think of the word. But that's uh, something that will be good to revisit because they're really good at it. We're really good at stopping it. Georgia Southern is 17th in total offense. You talked about them being fifth in passing. Uh, obviously, that's going to pull them up there in total offense. 474.7 yards per game. Marshall is ninth in total defense with 276.4 allowed only. So again, strength versus strength, what's going to give. I like our chances on our defense, especially the way they've been trending and the way we've been trending. In the red zone, Georgia Southern offense is 39th and they're converting at 87.8% of the time, 36 of 41 on the year. 13 of those uh, scores have been via run, 12 via pass, 11 via field goal. Marshall D, however, is 24th in red zone defense, and they're only allowing 78.3% scores, 18 out of 23, 6 on the ground, 5 in the air, 7 in field goals let's flip that talk about red zone martial offense we have come up these last two games <laughs> to 125 out of 131 now we've talked famously about three different fumbles with yep. inside the five and three block kicks all yep. that came within there so there's six of these so keep in mind obviously those plays did happen but it wasn't just that we came down there and we couldn't pass it in or something like that. It were was things that hopefully we can correct is hold on to the ball and don't kick it so low or, you know, whatever. Um, where, where they're at on that is uh, 71.8% of the time, 28 out of 39. So obviously those six, if they could have converted those, would have been 34 out of 39 looking much better. 12 have been rushing, 7 have been passing, and 9 in field goals. Georgia Southern defense, we've talked about how porous their defense is. They get stingy when it comes down to the red zone. They are 11th in the nation, only allowing 73.9% scores once people are in the red zone against them. 34 out of 46. 18 uh, touchdowns on the ground. Six through the air and 10 field goals. Now, they are 11th in the percentage, but listen to that. They have given up 34 scores in the red zone. Marshall is uh, 24th at 78.3, and they've only given up 18 scores. So I don't care about the percentage. If they're allowing us in the red zone eight times during this game, I like our odds. <laughs> I you like know? our chances. Yeah. That you know, that's that's where these things don't always tell the whole truth. So, until so you wait start... a minute. Help me rem did I did I hear you correctly, right? I just want to make sure I got the numbers right. You said right. 18 uh rushing touchdowns allowed by Georgia Southern. In the red zone. In the red zone, right. Yes. And Marshall has allowed how many total scores? Uh, 18. That's what I thought. Yeah. So they've allowed as many on the ground as we've allowed all season. Yes. I like our chances. Not, not just touchdowns, 18 scores, including field goals and touchdowns. We've allowed oh, well, 18. How, 
Oh, yeah, you mean us. You mean us. Yes, they they have scored eight or had 18 rushing touchdowns in the red zone against them. Yeah. We have allowed 18 total scores. scores. Yes. Total scores. That's what I'm talking about is, yeah, they're better than us on the percentage, but they're allowing people to get in the red zone. That just tells you they've got a porous defense that – that you can pick up a lot of yards against them. I like our chances. I like our I, chances. <laughs> I do too. I'm I'm going to finish it off with scoring. Okay. Uh, Georgia Southern offense, uh, even though they have trended down last two games, 34.3 points per game on the season. Marshall's defense only giving up 16.1. Again, strength versus strength. Scoring for Marshall, 23.9. Georgia Southern's defense, 31.7. Yeah. So let's flip those and do Georgia Southern and Marshall offense and defense. Georgia Southern's average score then would be 34.3 to 31.7. Marshall's average score would be 23.9 to 16.1. I'll take it. I will. And I I mentioned earlier in their last two, you can bump those numbers down offensively to 24 points per game for that Georgia Southern offense and Mm -hmm. 37 points allowed for that Georgia Southern defense. So two teams currently right now in a lot of major categories trending in opposite directions. Marshall's Mm -hmm. finding its way a little bit and Georgia Southern's all of a sudden starting to struggle with some of the things that have been strengths for them all season long. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you can keep an eye on. And when you go back and look at it all over again, you say, yep, that was what I thought. Yep, that might be that. So interesting take on this game, but still, I I still think that despite all of these trends, this could still be. This is a this is still a very winnable or losable game, especially if Marshall yeah. turns the ball over, you know, quite a bit. Uh, we didn't even talk about what the what the score is. You said that uh, we are favored in this game. Yeah, Marshall's a four and a half point favorite. So Georgia Southern's a home dog, but the power index is a coin flip, essentially. You're talking about 51.9% chance to win for the herd versus 48.1% chance for Georgia Southern. So it's 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 kind of neck and neck there a little bit, but I like our chances in some of those major categories. Who do you have for your Thundercast player of the week? Corey Gamage. Ooh, I see nice. I see him having a breakout game. Their defensive backs have a lot of pass deflections. Um but uh, I foresee him continuing this trend that he's had uh, of a connection with Cam Fancher. They're throwing the ball over the middle. Well, he's not just picking up seven on these slants. He's getting it and then taking it for another 20. Yeah, uh, I foresee him being a problem for them. Finally, we get some more jump balls maybe in the end zone. Uh, again, getting down into the red zone. Maybe he becomes our target down there. Uh, I just see him finally going off. Not that he hasn't had a good season, uh, especially considering the passing problems we've had early on. But uh, I foresee him just absolutely going off this game. Uh, Even though they give up more on the ground, I foresee us maybe that is the catalyst that we're torching them on the ground, slip in a little play action, which, by the way, everyone that's been clamoring for it, We did it quite a bit in that App State game, Uh, and it led to some good plays over the middle. So I see damage. That's a good pick. You know, we talked about that earlier, that this this holistic worry, this this team worry of the run game that's coming into town, 
could open up some of those plays. And, and they were there last week. We talked about it. Cam yep. just missed a few. He missed EJ Horton a couple of times, Montgomery a couple of times that for those plays that were going to be fairly good gainers just if the ball's caught, not to mention all the green that's in front of you after that. So if you connect on one or two of those, that plays that are already there, this could be a big day for and Cam you know, both on the ground and through the air. Couple of those two were not on cam. Uh, hit them right in the hands. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But there were some over, like one particularly that stands out to my mind. He had EJ wide just, open, just over overthrew him a little. High. Just overshot him just a little bit, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I like that pick, but I can't. I I just can't go away from the fact that this Georgia Southern run defense is so porous, and these herd runners are so dangerous. So I'm copping out a tad because I think it could be such a huge day, mm-hmm. and I'm picking all of the herd runners: Cam, uh, Ethan, AJ, Kalen. Anybody that gets a carry could bust one. I'm, even Montgomery, if we run some sort of wildcat thing, or even if it's one of those where we bring back the bubble screen here and there and you catch a block or two and these guys are gone, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So I have to, I can't not pick the herd runners and I can't just pick one because several could have a huge day. Um, what do you like for a score prediction in this one? 34-21 herd. All right. You like the herd to get over that 30-point plateau finally. Mm-hmm. Finally, yep. uh, I still can't get there and I'm not mad. About, I'm not, you know, trying to take anything away from them. But uh, until we get there, I'm just keeping it right under. I like the herd to hold that 28 point plateau again, and, and limit Georgia Southern to 17. I think they'll get uh, a few big plays put on them, and, and maybe turn the ball over once it sets up a short field, just like we've been seeing other teams feast. That's how they're getting their points in mm-hmm. those short field positions. But I like Marshall to take care of business, go down, get that seventh win, ensure a bowl game, and cruise into Senior Day with Georgia State coming to town. Currently, uh, you know, since Coastal's won the Sun Belt East already, really the only place we can gain ground is over Georgia State. So uh, let's take care of this one, and then we can look forward to another one. If you got any final words on this game, let's have it. Otherwise, we've got a lot of cool info to talk about around the herd, so let's get to it. Yeah, let's start out with men's basketball, and we are uh, filming very late on uh, Thursday night. So mm-hmm. Marshall played tonight. We'll get to that in a minute. But since we have recorded last with it around the herd, Marshall has played three games already. <laughs> they started off with a loss to Queens on uh, November the 8th in a final seconds, 83 to 82 heartbreaker. Um, I have to say a lot of people online, again, you know, we've talked about the fans having knee jerk reactions or this is the worst thing that will ever happen. And they're, you know, I'll never go to another game. Uh, worst loss in uh, history. This is a very good Queens team. I watched every second of the game. Uh, yes, this was their first Division One game, but they have they won thirty games last year in Division Two. They uh, will probably make a lot of noise and possibly, if they're allowed to, uh, win the Atlantic Sun Conference in their first year. They had a a boatload of fifth-year seniors. They had been playing together for years, and we had uh, three players that were basically, no, four, basically playing together for the first time. We only played seven people in that game, by the way, four of which, besides Wyatt Fricks having garbage time in two games because he blew out his knee last year, 
we were playing Kerfman as a starter, Han Logton as a starter, both newcomers, and then Jacob Connor and Wyatt Fricks coming in off the bench. Four of our seven were playing basically for the first time for the herd. It was a packed, um, intimate, I say. They had like 2,500. That's what I was thinking, 2,500. 2,500 is all they could fit in there. I think that they had like sixteen to 1,800 were in there. But it was a loud atmosphere. Uh, they played extremely well. These guys know how to win. How long have we talked about programs needing to learn how to win? Yeah, you know, uh, they already know how to win. They did it thirty some times last year, so we lost. We kind of melted down down the stretch. We were up at one point eleven points. I think we were up eight or ten in the last four minutes, and. They came back. They hit some threes. They uh, called timeout. They said, we're going to lose or win this game. They took the final shot. They knew exactly who they were going to give it to. Uh, Kenny Dye, who could probably start for a lot of people across the country. So anyway, long story short, we had some really good things to look forward to in that loss even with Connor, Fricks, Han Logton, and uh, those three playing as freshmen, what they brought to the table. Um, moving on to their next two games, they uh, routed Tennessee Tech at home on uh, Monday the 14th, 91-65, to and they blew out Miami tonight, 95-69, to and they could have put up 110-115, to but they had 90 points, I think, with uh, six to seven minutes left. And they just kind of shut her down a little bit. Um, Fricks, Connor, they have a lot of height and length when they're coming in. They are athletic. We have increased our athleticism, our team speed. Uh, our defense and uh, rebounding is better. And Lockton has not been uh, a force uh, on offense. He didn't take a shot against Queens, by the way. He didn't even have a tip in. But uh, he's banging on the boards. He's crashing on the boards. Uh, he's uh, contesting inside in the paint. And uh, I tell you what, if it, no one's watched, this seven foot seven one guy is diving all over the floor for loose balls. And that's something that you want to see. One of the things that I've noticed, especially with our bigs over the last maybe even six years in a Dan Tony system is if you are a freshman, big, they have had someone else come in for the tip and maybe the first two to three minutes of the game, and then they bring someone in. And Logton has been starting. And uh, you've seen in the D'Antoni system that later on, especially in the conference season, these guys are starting to get more playing time out of the gate. These guys are getting playing time. So that's just from what I've seen so far. Uh, if we have a good rebounding night and a good shooting night, it looks like nobody in the conference will be able to keep up with us. Have an off shooting night and uh, we don't get the boards like we should, we can lose. But so far, three games in, playing a heavy rotation of freshmen and first-year players for the herd, we've already shown some good signs of what I'd like to see. Yeah, two and one on the season. Of course, they could be three and zero, oh, but you you talked about it. You had a little bit of a meltdown there in the opener. And just to provide some context for this one tonight, uh, the starting five, of course, as we had 
figured it would be, you know, was uh, Obena and Hanlogden, Kerfman, Taylor, and Kinsey. And if you go and look at the stat lines for this game, Obena only tallied 10 minutes. And yeah. then uh, Connor has 28 minutes in the game. And uh, Wyatt Fricks has another 18 minutes as well. And you mentioned had Hanlogden not really being an offensive force in this game against Miami, accounted for a total of one point, but 12 rebounds. So, and that's what we need. You need a guy to go, like we said in that preview, to go clean the boards up and kick it out for that second and third opportunity yeah. to where most of the time our sharpshooters are going to hit that most of the time. Uh, Kerfman, Taylor, and Kenzie, all big nights tonight. Kerfman, 16 points. Andy Taylor, 26 points. And Kenzie, 14 uh, the game before last, who was that again? The middle game? Um, Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech, that's right. Uh, Andy Taylor crosses the 1,000-point mark for his herd career tonight. Tavion Kinsey crosses the 2,000-point plateau. So there's some guys that are starting to hit those cool milestones, and it's early in the season. I mean, it's yeah. early in the season. You might see some more of these milestones drop by the end of this season. So there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, it's, it's a shame that – you know, we had to squeeze in basically three games worth of uh, roundup in this one, you know, uh, segment because normally we'll we'll be able to dedicate uh, the same amount of time to one game, and we can talk about uh, you know the the box score a little bit better. So, uh, but still, off to a good start. Another when, when's the next one? Uh, uh, it's uh, Saturday. Uh, okay, Cop, Coppin State on the nineteenth. Okay, here here's where I'm worried about right now. I'm not worried about a one point loss to Queens. A lot of people are because they played D2 last last year. Uh I'm worried about Obina right now in three games has put up six, four, and two points for a total of twelve points on the season, four points per game. Uh he just seems like the other guys as they have come in, Fricks and Connor, are just kind of like passing him up. I know that those guys have passed some people up that got a lot of playing time last year, but when they are on the court, everyone seems to be gelling right now except for Obina. And I don't think that is due to talent. I just think that he needs to get himself involved more. Maybe he just needs to go crash the boards, get uh, get some putbacks, get involved that way, make a uh, become a force on defense. Because like I said, Han Logton has become that force, and he's definitely not you know, putting up a lot of shots either. So uh, it seems to be perimeter dominated right now and driving to the basket and fast break points and things like that. But I uh, really hope Obina gets involved, crashes the boards, like I say, get some putbacks, dunks, uh, just get get going like we know that he can. He could showed you, up. Could you imagine the herd having the luxury of just having two guys down there that, that are – banging the bodies out of the way, trying to clean up all those missed shots just to kick it back out to three more sharpshooters when Marshall's yeah. going five deep currently with maybe a little bit more by the as the season progresses with uh, with quality shooting. What a luxury to have. I think Obina yeah. will find his way and how he fits into this team as this team continues to evolve in jail. Moving on, we're going to keep it uh, on the court with women's basketball. They put up an impressive showing at Purdue, and then Purdue just kind of pulled away late. They uh, lost 73-61, to 61, and that was back on November the 10th. And then they just absolutely absolutely beat the brakes off of West Virginia <laughs> Wesleyan. 
72 to 39 after one quarter. Remember, women's basketball plays four quarters, not yep. two halves like men. After first quarter, it was 30 to nine. And I, I watched that game as well. And uh, it could have been, might as well have been 200 to nine. You know, <laughs> um, they uh, go to play next uh, multi team event in Savannah, Georgia. That'll be next week. It'll be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. On Monday, they're playing UT Martin at 7 p.m. Uh, Purdue Fort Wayne at 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, they finish up that event at 7 p.m. playing Norfolk State. Um, one of the things that I really like to see, and we are still going to do our preview now that we've gotten to watch two games, and we'll probably fit that in next week uh, as our schedule has been planned. These guys are gals. I'm sorry. I say guys for everything. These gals are driving to the basket and they're hitting the boards. And for a group of huge turnover, bringing in a lot of uh, new signees and a lot via the transfer portal, they seem to already be playing on the same page. And that's something that I like to see. Yes, this was West Virginia Wesleyan, but they just played Purdue at Purdue and they had Purdue going Uh, during that game. Um, Let's see here on the game cast. As late as. I can't get it to do it. They were pretty much tied in the fourth quarter and Purdue pulled away. I thought it was late in the third, but it was in the. Uh, Purdue was up at 7.45 left in the game. They were only up uh, 60 to 57 after hitting a layup. So it was 58 to 57 right there in the fourth quarter. Purdue just kind of pulled away down the stretch. And again, we're talking about a Big Ten team versus at home versus a bunch of people playing together for the first time. So I think that the women's team can make a good run this year. Uh, they brought in Abby Beeman as point guard. She uh, Her forte is driving to the basket, kicking the ball out, uh, driving to score. Uh, I like the ball movement that we've had around the perimeter and down low. I like us crashing the boards, and we have been shooting the absolute lights out of it. So been a been a really good thing to see early in the season. Yeah, let me touch on some of the uh, statistics from this West Virginia Wesleyan win just the other day, the home opener, which, by the way, we, uh, again, are giving tickets away to every home Marshall men's and women's basketball game. But let's let's talk about some uh, some stats here. Um, excuse me. Wow, that one snuck up on me real quick. Uh, in, in that one against West Virginia Wesleyan, uh, you have three big performers that stand out, right? Abby Beeman, which you mentioned, she scores 15 points in 26 minutes to lead the team in minutes played uh, and points in that one. Also, Rashala Scott, uh, 10 points in just 16 minutes, and Tara Harness, 14 points in 20 minutes. In that game, this this lady, uh, her basketball team, was over 40% shooting from the field and 33% shooting from three-point range. Now, I know that's probably not uh, – how they're going to, what they're hanging their hat on right now. Uh, as you say, they like to drive and, and kick out, but those are good numbers for a team that's still trying to find its way. A lot of turnover you mentioned, not just from the roster, but also from, you know, Coach yeah. Tony Kemper's staff. This is a mm-hmm. lot of new. We've talked about it a long, a lot. So 
for them to be productive this early, hanging with a Big Ten team right there in it to the end. You've got to be happy at the trajectory, and they could make some real noise. Uh, we also talked about how the, the ladies' schedule is a lot more favorable than the men's schedule in the Sunbelt Conference slate. So don't be surprised if this women's basketball team for the herd uh, makes some legit noise, makes a run in that Sunbelt Conference. But her early on, here in the early going, it's pretty exciting. You know, there, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's some new air in the cam from the women's basketball pro- program, and I'm kind of here for it. Same man, same. Can't wait to get over and see him. Haven't been able to, di- couldn't get over there uh, the other day. Um, and again, like you mentioned, we are giving away tickets, and it's an exciting time to go watch men's basketball, women's basketball. Let's go support them in November and December, and then you know after the new year, we're going to be doing the same. Yeah. Let, before you go to another sport, let me make a note about what these tickets are. Right, like our men's tickets, they have. Um, reserve seats right so you're you're going to the same place every time women's we just bought season tickets and it's general admission so if you win the tickets you show you can set as close to the court as you want to or you can set as far away from the court as you want to so uh just be aware of that uh if you win uh, tickets to a women's game man you could show up and be sitting basically courtside i mean essentially so i, I guarantee you as this season goes along, more and more folks will be turning out to those games and you will have to get there earlier and earlier to get the type of seat that you want. So if you win those tickets from us, make sure you get there early and get yourself a good seat because that's kind of a cool setup. And we're, we're we're really glad to support that program in the first season that they've offered tickets, at least season tickets in a while that I can think of, maybe ever. Yeah. Uh, and we want we want to see some butts in the seats. All right, so volleyball, they swept Arkansas State three sets to two and three sets to one on Thursday and Friday, right before the uh, App State football game weekend. That finished up their regular season. They beat Louisiana Monroe in the first round. That was yesterday uh, of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They uh, won in five sets, three to two. Tonight, they put up a really good effort. I watched that as part of three events going on at the same time. Uh, They lost to South Alabama three sets to one uh, in the second round. So their season comes to an end, but a lot to build off of, a lot to be proud of. Uh, Coach Ari and their team, uh, they they, uh, also seem to me like we latched on to softball about how fun they seem to be having and everything. Uh, these ladies seem to be having a lot of fun on the court as well. Yeah, and you mentioned in the recap of the last episode, folks didn't listen to it yet, uh, Lydia Montag's second team, all Sunbelt Conference, so some individual awards also coming out of that program. And and we mentioned about one of your five things was signings galore. Mm-hmm. And if you go to that Herd Volleyball Twitter account, you can see that they made some noise in the recruiting game as well. Yeah. Uh, there, There's a definite – definite effort to uh, take this program to a different level than they're on now. And there's a lot to be excited about. So when the next season rolls around, as we hope to evolve this show, we hope to be able to get in touch with some folks uh, on that uh, roster or that coaching staff and give us some more insight to help you get more excited about that team as the 2023 season rolls around. And you can't beat the theme nights that they have. I mean, it's a pre- <laughs> you're right. Eighties night the other night. Yeah, it's a free. <laughs> it's a free ticket, man. You know, it's here. It's inside the cam. You just go in, sit where you want, and uh, enjoy a really cool program. Yep. 
All right, cross country. They had the NCAA Mid Atlantic Regionals, and those were uh, Saturday during the App State contest. The women finished 13th and the men finished 15th. First time in school history that uh, both teams finished top 15 in the uh, regionals. I I know you're going to say no, but <laughs> Abby Herring Get out. Made, made, <laughs> made all region. She uh, she again paced uh, the, the women and uh, made all region. We can't say enough about Parkersburg and West Virginia's own Abby Herring. Yeah, uh, I think actually right before that uh, that meet that that um, Caleb finished up a, a second, maybe it was a thousand yard run this time. Why not? You know, probably in about sixteen hours. I mean, because you know, I mean, if we're gonna set the pace with twelve hours over a hundred miles, you could probably do a thousand in sixteen hours. But no, seriously though, you can tell that this this program, both of these programs, and uh, the return if you'll recall, of a men's track and field team mm-hmm. is this is kind of the right time for all that. There, yeah. We're hitting some all-time highs. We've talked about never before in program history has this occurred and has that occurred. So uh, this is a great, great time to get involved and pay attention to what's going on with herd cross country, men's and women's and the track and field is going to be a lot of fun to talk about in the spring. Um, I just can't say enough about uh, what coach uh, Caleb Bowen's doing and um, it, it shows And Abby. I mean, can we even do a Thundercast anymore without talking <laughs> about Abby, Abby Beeman, uh, Abby Herring? I yeah. mean, she's an all timer, man. And um, if she's listening, we'd like to have you on the show to talk about how awesome you are because we've kind of fanned out <laughs> over the course of the last, what, how many months we've we been doing this now, eight months, nine months, Whatever it not, is, not not even eight months yet. Yeah, I mean, we've just become huge fans of, of what uh, she's been able to accomplish in the Kelly Green and White. It's she's it's just going to have to slow down when she's on the show because we don't <laughs> we don't run we don't run. <laughs> Swimming and diving is competing at the Purdue Invite, and that is Wednesday through Friday. So uh, they're already two days into that. We do not have results yet. Uh, we will have those for our next show. We'll go over that. And I think that might be it. Maybe they have one more for the uh, before they go uh, over into January, but we'll see. And finally, men's soccer. They made the NCAA tournament, as we mentioned on yesterday's show, for the fourth consecutive year. They played tonight, and they beat Elon in the first round. One to nothing. They move on to face number four, Virginia, in the second round, and that is Sunday, November the 20th at 1 p.m. And yeah, it's at, I was, at Virginia and Charlottesville. I was watching that game tonight, and uh, it was pretty exciting. That e, that Elon team was pretty smothering with the defense, man. Yep. It, it was it was something else. It got a little chippy a couple times. I thought it I did. might see a little bit of a brawl bust out in that game. Yeah. Emotions were running high. It was um, it was pretty cool. And wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? I watched the game all the way up until the very end of the first half, and I had to go take care of something for my son. And as soon as I walked out of the room, we score a goal. And I come back, and I hear it's halftime, one to nothing. And, of course, this fear goes through my body because I'm thinking, crap, are we down one to nothing? And a minute so- a minute and a half left in the in the first half. Muhammad Saidu uh, came in and got a goal off of – I think it was a header. I think it was it. too, yeah. yeah. And uh, it 
just kind of set the pace as the announcers were saying, you know, Marshall's up now they just need to hold that, you know, they're in the driver's seat and they did just that. It looked like they had a couple more chances to increase their uh, lead and everything, but Hey, a win is a win. Uh, Let's move on to Virginia on Sunday. I think that there's probably going to be a decent contingent of people driving over there it's less than five hours away plus we have a lot of people in the virginia area so uh hope to see because i heard on the broadcast we are marshall i don't know if you picked up on that when you were hearing because you know we had three games going on i don't know what you had the audio going on but uh there was an audible we are marshall chant down there uh at elon so i'd like to hear a lot more of that when i'm watching on sunday if I don't get to drive over. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping that I might be able to go, but we'll see. We'll see. One house cleaning note, uh, as we were talking about soccer, I went back and looked. Swim and Dive has one more meet in uh, December, Friday, December 16th at Florida International, by the way. Gotcha. But that's the only thing. And okay. then it'll, we'll move on to mid-January where we'll pick up the winter season and the spring season with a – uh, in, uh, with a meetup at Ohio U. Um, dude, I kind of dig this format. This is pretty cool. I don't know that I want to do it every week, but it's pretty cool for this week since it was a late, uh, since I was traveling back and we kind of got a late start, but very informative. Uh, I'm uh, so unbelievably proud of our men's soccer team for uh, taking it on the road and probably felt they were slighted a little bit, like they should have been hosting a game. So, Good for them for not sulking and and pouting and just going up to Elon and taking care of business. Congratulations once again to Herd Volleyball for, you know, fighting hard at the end of the year and making some positive moves to get some strides going in the right direction. And uh, one heck of a recruiting class. I'm looking forward to that one next season as well. Uh, Basketball season is upon us, and as as both of our teams continue to form that chemistry we could be pretty dangerous in both sports men's and women's so uh can't wait to continue talking about them russ if you got nothing else let's take it out of here very briefly i just want to highlight our sponsors as sure. uh we we love those guys uh let's start off with 304carwreck.com before we even shot our first show april the 1st before we recorded the first minute they were on board to be our show sponsor we have a uh, a uh, commercial for them every single week that we have, or like this, two times a week. Yep. But we cannot highlight them enough, guys. If you, everyone here knows someone that has either been in a car wreck themselves or knows someone that's been in a car wreck. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation where you're hurt in a wreck, please do not try to deal with the insurance agencies alone. It is their job to try to give you the lowest possible return. See our friends at 304carwreck.com. Follow them on Facebook and let them do the work for you and get you what you deserve. Secondly, how awesome is Ignite Link? I mean, we're doing Thundercast Live. They bought three separate uh, games worth of tickets on football, and we gave them away for them. Uh, they love martial sports just as much as anybody that we've been around and they've been here with us for a long time and have allowed us to do a lot of cool things too. So again, if you have any IT management needs, go see Jed, Josh, and the whole crew at Ignite Link, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, 
and uh, give them a call if you need anything. Yeah, our sponsors take really good care of us, which in turn allow us to take really good care of herd fans and uh, follow Marshall Athletics as closely as we can. And we really hope to do that in a bigger way as uh, we really start to look towards the calendar turning to 2023. It's an It'll be a new year, and uh, we're hoping to not only bring more of the same that folks have come to expect from us, but we want to crank it up another notch. So if you're a local business owner and you think, hey, man, I could really get behind the Thundercast, you got to get in contact with us. We can make something work for you. If you want to sponsor sponsor a segment, we'd love to have you come aboard and be a part of the Thundercast uh, family and machine. And, and that just means we can do more great things for not only herd fans, martial athletics and our athletes, but we can, you know, help you get your business out there. We can help you get in touch with herd fans, other herd fans, just local folks that may be in need of your services or might want to buy your goods. So please get in touch with us. We'd love to get something working with you, but until next time, Russ, take us the heck out of here. Yeah. Whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at Thundercast live at a tailgate, or whether you see us at home watching three games at one time on multiple screens because we're in the Sun Belt, baby, and it's got ESPN Plus for everything. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later.